Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another podcast episode. I'm Andrew Escobedo, your host, and the title of my podcast is Reformed Fide. Reformed meaning simply biblical um, faith. Fide meaning faith. Fide is Latin for the word faith. So the discussion today is an especially reformed doctrine, and it's the doctrine of total depravity. And I want to focus on one central question, and of course this deals with total depravity. Is our will enslaved, or is it free and autonomous and independent? To which I would answer, no, it is not. Prior to salvation, our will is by no means free. It is enslaved to sin. And from the text of scripture, we're going to demonstrate that. That we do not have some free autonomous will. (laughs) It's laughable. We have an enslaved will. And Paul makes that so clear. In places like Ephesians 2, Colossians 2, Titus chapter 3, and so on and so forth. I'd say Romans chapter 8 as well. But I want to start off with reading um, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. What was his perception of this with this doctrine. And of course, all of Scripture speaks with the consistency and clarity. So Paul is not going to contradict Christ, and Christ, our Lord, is not going to contradict Paul, for Paul is his apostle. So it says in John chapter 8, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son does remain forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. just want to emphasize the fact that in verse 36, where he says, so if the Son makes you free, that's a capital S, he's talking about himself. So God himself has to liberate us from our enslavement to sin. This text teaches that everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And obviously, autonomy and free will contradict the teaching of an enslaved will. A will that is in bondage to sin. A will that does not seek God. It doesn't even have the ability to do so. Because it's enslaved. When you're a slave, you have no choice about that. You're a slave, and you can't set yourself free. That's why Jesus says, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. When God sets us free from our enslavement to sin, that's His work, that's His doing. That's not a result of our autonomous faith act. That's a result of God's grace and mercy, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's God's work. It's not a result of our autonomy. 
It's a result of God's grace, of God's mercy. So that's one text I wanted to address, and I think that makes the point that we do not have a free autonomous will. Our will is enslaved. You heard Jesus say it. Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. It cannot get any clearer than that. It cannot get any clearer than that. So the next text I want to touch upon is Ephesians chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 2 is an incredible text, by the way. If you're unfamiliar with a text, become familiar with it. Get to know it. It's so beautiful. So Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, he includes himself, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. We all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. There, there it is. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We loved, we lived in the lust of our flesh. We were enslaved to our sins. God-haters, non-God-seekers, spiritually dead, devoid of any spiritual life. But verse 4, But God, but God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It says in verse 6, And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might demonstrate the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Brethren, notice that these are all acts of God. The emphasis in Ephesians chapter 2 is upon God and what He has done. For what purpose? Verse 7, So that in the ages to come He might demonstrate the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of His glorious grace. That's why so that he would be glorified and honored and set apart as holy, that he would be exalted for this wonderful salvation that he has granted his people. But in Ephesians chapter 2, when we were dead, who was the one who made us alive, brothers and sisters? God. God. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were dead in our sins, He made us alive together with Christ. The emphasis is upon God and what He does for His people. And that's a stunning reality. We were enslaved to sin. God set us free. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Right? That's like what Christ said in John chapter 8. Another important text is Titus chapter 3. And in Titus chapter 3, Paul is obviously writing to Titus, who is at Crete, the island of Crete. And he says, For we ourselves also 
were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior appeared, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Oh, what a beautiful truth. Brethren, when we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, when we were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, God is the one who had mercy. God is the one who is gracious. And that's why it says in verse 5, that according to his mercy we have been washed, regenerated, renewed by the Holy Spirit of God. Again, the emphasis here is upon God, his grace. And I keep repeating myself, but that's the emphasis in total depravity. We don't emphasize our freedom to choose God. We emphasize God's freedom to choose us and grant us these things. And even when we were so undeserving, he did these things for us. And that's the stunning thing. My brethren, the question is not why does God only save some? The question is why does God save any at all? Because we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve condemnation. We all deserve His righteous and holy judgment. It should be poured out upon us, but it was poured out upon Christ in our place. That's the proclamation of the gospel. So the question is not why does God only save some? The question is why does God save any at all? We're all equally worthy of His wrath, of His judgment, or worthy of eternal death. But in Christ, we have life. In Christ, we have life. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free indeed. And we are, we are brothers and sisters, we are. By His doing. That's a such a beautiful text and it needs to be discussed more. And, and notice in, in all of these texts, Paul includes himself. He says, we ourselves. He includes himself in this. He was also enslaved to sin. God made him alive when he was dead and spiritually devoid of any life. Devoid of any spiritual life. But the Spirit of God rose him from spiritual death to spiritual life. And my friends, that's the beauty of God's gracious mercy. In granting the sinner life. In granting the sinner life. Another key text would be Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8. Paul says, and I just want to say this beforehand, so that you kind of get it as I read through it. He's contrasting between those who are in the flesh... In other words, those who are unregenerate, who have no spiritual life, who are enslaved to sin, as opposed to those who are in the spirit, who have been made spiritually alive. So that being said, let's read the text, and you'll see the contrast that he's making between uh, the saved sinner and the unregenerate sinner. He says, 
For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Dunamai, it is not even able to do so. That Greek word dunamai deals with capacity, ability, uh, capability. So he says in verse 8, And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Same word. Are not able to please God, the LSB translates it. Dunamai, that word deals with capacity and ability. It says those who are in the flesh are not able to do what is pleasing to God. So brethren, the key question here is, is faith pleasing to God? Is repenting of your sins and believing the gospel pleasing to God? To which the obvious answer is yes. Then he says, the unregenerate man, those who are in the flesh, who are devoid of spiritual life and spiritually dead, he says, they cannot do what is pleasing to God. They don't have that capacity. They don't have that ability. They do not have the ability to exercise faith and repent because they're spiritually dead and God is the one who has to set the enslaved sinner free. God is the one who has to work this mighty work, as we have already seen. And so, it says, those who are in the flesh cannot do what is pleasing to God, okay? So, with that being said, we, we, we recognize and acknowledge that faith and repentance, those things are pleasing to God. He says that the unregenerate man, those who are in the flesh, are not able to do what is pleasing to God. They don't have the capacity to believe. They don't have the capacity to repent because they're spiritually dead. What can a dead man do but rot and get worse and worse and worse? And that's where we were. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead, he, he made us alive. Personal pronouns emphasize God and his actions, his doing. Okay, so now that we've established that point, that faith and repentance are pleasing to God. And this text says that those who are in the flesh, who are spiritually dead, they don't have that capacity. They're enslaved to sin. They cannot do that. So then the question is, how have we believed? How have we repented those who are in Christ? How have we done these things? And I'd like to turn our attention to Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. And Paul says here, and he, he mentions it in passing, and I think that's why it's so missed, so commonly missed. It says, he says to the Philippians, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. It's mentioned in passing, but it, he makes the point that faith is granted. He says, it has been granted for Christ's sake, for, for God's glory, for Christ's sake. Not only to believe in him. See, faith is a gift. It was granted to the Philippians to believe in him. Those who believe, only believe because their faith is a divine gift from God granted to them in graciousness and mercy and loving kindness. Our faith, my brethren, is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. 
So those who believe, believe because their faith is a gift. Those who believe, believe because their faith is a divine gift from God for Christ's sake. Right? So that's faith. Faith is a gift, okay? And so is repentance, because I also mentioned repentance. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'll, I'll start from verse 23. And in verse 23, it says, But refused foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Did you see it? In verse 24, Paul says, If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. So when we repent, when we repented of our sins and believed the gospel and came to the knowledge of the truth, as it says in verse 25, we did so because our repentance was a gift from God. Our faith is a gift from God. The ability to repent and come to the knowledge of the truth is a gift from God. These are things God does, and He receives all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. We were enslaved to our sin, and God is the one who set us free. And so, prior to this regenerating work, when we're dead in our sins and God making us alive, prior to that, we did not have the capacity to come to God on our own. And even if we did, we wouldn't come to Him. We would not seek Him. It says in Romans chapter 3, there is no God seeker. That they hate God in Romans chapter 1. The unregenerate sinner hates God. He's hostile toward God. He doesn't want to seek God. He's suppressing the truth about God and unrighteousness. And my friends, may I suppose this? You cannot suppress something that you do not have. And we had a knowledge of God, but we did not glorify him as God. We were enslaved to our sin, and even if we had the capability to come to God, we wouldn't. We wouldn't, because we loved our sin so much, and we were so enslaved to our sin that God had to work a mighty work within us to bring us to salvation and spiritual life. That's the beauty of this message, is that God is the one who does it all. Our faith is a gift from God. Our repentance is a gift from God. Knowing God, seeking after God, these things are gifts from Him to us. That's the beauty of this message. God gets all the glory. When we were enslaved, God set us free. God set us free. And... Our time is coming to an end. But I wanted to close out with this quote from Joel Arbiki in his systematic with regard to man and Christ, anthropology and Christology. And he says, 
Therefore, man in the state of sin, though he may be outwardly civilized, is a slave of sin and an enemy of God. Though he still has all the faculties of human nature that God gave him at creation, he is so empty of spiritual goodness and so corrupted by sin that he is unable to serve God acceptably. Furthermore, he does not regret, he, he does not regret this or grieve over his sins, except insofar as they bring him trouble. If God were to come down from heaven and teach man about righteousness, sin and salvation, man would do everything in his power to destroy God. We see this nowhere more clearly than in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What a powerful quote. What a powerful statement. When we were dead in our sins, and if we were alive back then, we would have done everything in our power as God-haters and non-God-seekers. We would have been with the crowds, chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, because we were enslaved to our sin. And we hated God, and we were rebellious towards him. We were his enemies. But God was gracious and merciful. And even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive. When we were enslaved to our sin, he set us free. That's the beauty of this message, my friends. We did not have the free will to come to God. We were enslaved to sin. Our will was not free. It was enslaved. And God had to set it free. That's the beauty of this proclamation, brethren. And I hope that this was an insightful episode. And I hope that you guys learned quite a bit. Or at least were refreshed by it. But rejoice in your salvation, brethren. Because it's entirely a work of God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, brothers and sisters. If you have believed the gospel and repented of your sins, it's because believing and repenting of your sins is a gift from God for his glory, for the sake of Christ's holy name. And God gets all the glory. God gets all the glory. So I appreciate all of you listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate if you left a rating don't give me a five if you thought it was a three. If it was a three, leave a three. Three-star review, your rating. Uh, and if you have any tips for me to get better, you can text me at jesus.crucified on Instagram and help me out. I appreciate all of you listening once again. And I hope that this was refreshing and insightful. And I'll talk to you all very, very, very soon in May you all continue to serve Christ faithfully. Seek the glory and honor of his holy name. Seek to honor him in every circumstance. With every molecule that forms who you are, seek to honor your Redeemer, your Savior, because he has saved you, and it's completely his work. All right? Peace out, guys. Until next time. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh,